All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. At arm's Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks conversation brought to you by Parallel 49 Brewing and before we start here I'm with Chris Faber but we wanted to address something that came to our attention this week and it is about Parallel 49 there was an account called not RP 49 that got a lot of DMs from former employees about mistreatment from management and the ownership at Parallel 49 it was pretty alarming stuff. Chris and I were reading it and, you know, we both agreed that it's pretty, it was, it was pretty shocking to hear some of the stuff and it wasn't, you know, you never want to see that anywhere, especially in a workplace. And I mean, I've been part of some toxic work environments. I'm sure you can say the same, Chris, and you just, you don't want to see it basically. And we were waiting to see what Parallel 49 was going to do before we commented on it. And they have done something. And I think Chris and I are pretty happy to see what they've done. Essentially, um, they have hired a HR team to audit their business and they're going to be working with that HR company going forward. They've hired an HR person or sorry, they're in the process of hiring an HR person to make sure these kinds of things don't happen again. Uh, They've accepted that there, there is a problem and that they do need to change. 
which you really just love to see. Like it, it's really good to see. Yeah, I think the way that I like that they addressed it is they took action to a bunch of things, and then they took reaction, and they kind of put that out in their latest post on Instagram. Uh, things that they want to take action towards, and then reaction to some of the stuff that came out. Because yeah, it w- it was tough to see because Parallel's been nothing but great to us. Uh, the yeah. fact that they're supporting a local podcast is is something that not a lot of beer companies are into. Everyone that we've dealt with there has been great. But yeah, when we read some of the stuff that some of these former employees are saying, we were pretty let down that this is a company that we have yeah. associated with us. But I think Parallel's done everything right. And just the way that they ended their thing was uh, their their latest post here on their Instagram. Change is necessary. Accountability is important. Please know that we are committed to this and hope that these, act- these actions demonstrate our commitment to change. So um, we're hoping that that is true. And I think from what we've read and what we've heard and the stuff that they're going through, I believe that's what they're going to go and hope to do in the future here anyways. And again, like I said, you, you like to see that and you like to see that it wasn't just a written apology and they're just kind of said, ah, yeah, these allegations, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was, I don't know. I like to see when companies slash people actually take actions to try and undo the harm that they've done and make sure that it doesn't happen again because I don't know. I think we live in the era of public apologies and some of them you can just tell are just, you know, a little bit half-assed screenshotted from your friend's phone. Oh, stuff like Brendan that. Leipzig. Speaking of which, let's just jump into some hockey talk here. Um, training camp. It's over. We're recording this on Friday. You're going to the scrimmage tonight at Rogers arena. The final scrimmage. Is this your first one that you've this been my, to? This is my first one, but it's three full periods of running yes. clock. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's the final one. We're going to see who's playing with Antoine Roussel and Adam Gaudet. It's going to be, is it going to be Big Mac? Is it going to be shotgun Jake? We're going to see what happens tonight. We're going to, I think a lot of questions are going to be answered tonight at Friday's practice because there's been a lot uh, going on throughout the week that we can get into in this episode here. And further to that, these questions are also going to be answered when the Canucks play the Winnipeg Jets in Edmonton for that one exhibition game they get before playing Minnesota in Game 1 on August 2nd. So let's talk about the questions at hand, because Travis Green has said multiple times that there are going to be some tough decisions. And might I remind you, those were his exact words a couple weeks before cutting Nikolai Goldobin and Sven Berchi, who a lot of people, not Goldobin, more so Berchi, thought was a lock to be in this lineup. And I think we're in to see some surprises here, because Travis knows how he constructs his team. We know how Travis likes to make his teams look. I'm thinking here, I'm with the majority here, I think, Jake Furtan is not going to be in the lineup on game one. Okay, so that's the big one that we're going to start off with. Obviously, yeah. Jake Furtan and Zach McEwen, who's going to play on that third line. Yeah. From everything that I've seen and all the information that I've been able to gather at training camp, all the information you've been able to gather at training camp, there's only two things that are possible right now. Travis Green is doing something with Jake Vertanen's brain so that he can get the best out of him (laughs) and start Jake Vertanen in that third line. That makes a lot of sense. Jake Vertanen almost scored 20 goals this year. He's an effective goal scorer in your bottom six. He's the type of guy that you want in the lineup. He's something that you can bring a lot to your lineup. He's better than Antoine Roussel on the power play, who we're seeing Roussel now on the second power play unit. But the other option is Zach McEwen has just played his way into this roster. From what he's done at training camp... From the way that he's skated, the way that he's practiced, the way that he's been the last player on the ice for a lot of practices, Zach McEwen has definitely played himself into that role. But I just like I I still in the back of my mind, like I'm I'm not like even leaning towards either way. I'm still very 50-50 on if Travis is just messing with Jake's brain yeah, to yeah, try yeah. and get the best out of him, or if he's actually going to start Zach McEwen, because I don't see Travis Green starting Zach McEwen, a guy who's played, what, 20, I think 21 NHL games. Zach McEwen's played. I don't see Travis Green, the guy who's, you know, going to be in his rookie playoff series here. I don't see him starting pretty much a rookie in Zach McEwen in a playoff game when he has a Jake Vertanen who, though, hasn't played in any playoff games himself, has close to somewhere around 200 NHL games. I mean, this is... This is something that Travis Green, I wouldn't expect him to do at all. Like, I, I'm still curious to see what he does with a guy like Louis Erickson, too, because well, he's going to want Travis Green loves his veterans, right? He's not going to sit veterans in a playoff game. That's the way that Travis is. Brandon Sutter and Louis Erickson are not going to sit before Jake Bertanen sits. That's, that's just not how that's going to work. Mm-hmm. Brandon Sutter and Louis Erickson are going to be in this lineup if Travis gets this way. I think and Louis would sit. Berlin, yeah, Louis, Louis maybe. Louis before, maybe. But I also yeah. want to point out that Zach McEwen was on the third line ahead of Jake 
before the stoppage of play, yeah. right? So is this really Zach taking Jake's spot or is it Zach reclaiming the spot that he had before? That's the thing. And you would expect coming back with all healthy bodies. The other one is like, is Michael Furland too. I mean, that's and such that's a, a wild, wild card. card. It's so crazy to have that and have a healthy body like him involved now that, which is insane to me. It's absolutely insane to me to think that Michael Furland would have been healthy coming into this playoff game. Who, by the way, has looked awesome at training camp. He like, looks fit. He looks what fit. A camp and I'm not talking like the British TV shows fit. Like he looks in shape. He looks fit. He's skating well. He's hitting. He's throwing huge hits. Still in got. Practice. He's still getting walked by Quinn Hughes every single practice. But who so is it? everybody else in the yeah, NHL? Who isn't? Quinn Hughes is absolutely on fire today. Can I? Can I just mention the stuff that Quinn said on the Zoom call today? Though, of course. Okay, because I was cracking up Quinn Hughes today with some jokes. <laughs> so Quinn makes this joke about Ohio State suck, or he was like. Somebody asked him about what's it going to be like with you missing out, uh, not having any fans in the stands. And he's like, oh, it's going to be like an Ohio State game last year. Uh, and he laughed. Nobody else probably got the joke at all. Then I asked him, like, what's it going to be like for you to go back on this power play unit You know, with this team? Was it easy for you guys to adjust, or were you looking like the Buckeyes power play last year? So <laughs> Quinn loved that. He, he laughed, and, and all the a lot of the media guys messaged me after. They're like, wow, you got Quinn to laugh. Uh, and then I followed that up with asking him about Gossip Girl because, you know, we're reporters here. We got to ask the tough questions. Hell yeah. I asked him if he's one of the Gossip Girl boys uh, with Petey and Brock. And he says, he's like, I'm not one of them. He's like, I am the one. Like, he was like, I'm the one who got Petey watching that. And there's a bunch of other shows that Petey needs to watch. So Quinn was a, he was a giggly boy today. And I think I cracked him up a couple times with uh, a quick jab at the Ohio State Buckeyes for sure. And, and yeah, the media members were like, well, and, and honestly, like, you know, I, I just like said it on Twitter the other day that I'm like fully committed to sports. I quit my job in the mill and then to have yeah. like a really good day uh, with interviews. Like my heart was pumping like after that. <laughs> it was really good. Right on. Um, and it, I was just surprised we got a question because every time, you know, we try and get a question in and we're at the bottom of the barrel at Canucks Army. But good questions with Quinn. But man, like I'm really excited to see what he does. But back to the Furlan and Jake Furtanisich, like the whole winger situation pretty much, right? Like the ones that I've seen a lock for a bottom six role are Tyler Mott, Antoine Roussel and Brandon Sutter. Hmm. It's maybe not what I would like to see the most, but I exactly. think that those... I think I think it's important that we differentiate that because yes. I said earlier that I don't think Jake Vertanen is going to be on the opening night roster for game one. That's not what I want to see. I'd like to see him play better defensively in this scrimmage tonight. I'd like to see him earn that trust, and I'd love to see him in that lineup because he brings that goal-scoring pedigree. And the thing is, he's not great away from the puck. He's had a... Pretty tough camp, and I think it's been pretty well documented how, I don't want to use the word abysmal, but how weak he's looked. Well, and even just looking at him when he's not participating in drills, the body language is just exactly. so down, too. Yeah. And I, I want to throw this to you because, like, we're talking so much, and Twitter's talking so much about Zach McEwen and Jake Vertan, who's going to be that third-line right-winger. Travis Green said some stuff today where he was like, I've been thinking about Michael Furlan for a long time in that spot. Yes. Is Michael Furlan the best option as your third third line right winger? Because, man, if if he's able to be effective, even if he just goes in for game one and, like, plays, he's the probably the better NHL player if he's healthy. He's better than McEwen. He's better than Jake Vertanen. He's probably so, the best option if he's healthy. I just don't know if he's 100% healthy for an NHL game yet. So, okay, I don't want to use the word healthy. He's healthy. He's 100% healthy for an NHL game but he's not 100% conditioned to be in an NHL game necessarily. Like, you can tell the stamina's not there for Furland yet. He's getting tired toward the end of these scrimmages. You'll see it tonight. I've been at all the scrimmages. He's getting tired toward the end, but when the when it starts out, he's flying out there. And you have to remember, the third line's the line that gets the least minutes for the Canucks. So if he's on that line, you know, that's almost like giving him sheltered minutes and you're giving him a chance to succeed, I think, in that role on the third line. Again, I think that's why it's a good spot for Jake Vertanen, whereas he was on the fourth line when the stoppage of play happened uh, back in March. So it's either going to be Furlandor or McEwen or Vertanen on that line. But what I want to say to you is... What are your thoughts? Before, I, we, before we go, are you betting? Like, if you were to bet money right now, are you betting on McEwen? Being in the that, third line? Being that third line guy? Right now, likely. Because but right of, now, the, the yeah. players that are not, the forwards that will not be there, uh, it's obviously the black aces. Like, we're not going to see Grayback, Bailey, or Lynn. Lynn we yeah. keep, keep them out. But right now, the guys that are being sat are going to be Louis Erickson, Michael Furland, and Jake Vertanen. Yeah, there's no way. Which is, you know. No, and, okay, okay. You tell me that Here's, at the start of the season, mm-hmm. that those three are going to be healthy sat. 
on this Canucks team yeah. and you see what they went out and did this offseason and you think like, wow, what the heck happened to that bottom six winger group? Because Tyler Mott's now a better player than Louis. Well, he always was Louis Erickson. Well, not always, but in the past, ever since he's been a Vancouver Canucks, he's been better than Louis. But if you told me Tyler Mott's going to be far and ahead above Vertanen and Michael Ferlin going into the playoffs, I mean, the Ferlin stuff you, you couldn't predict with the concussions. But if you told me that a Sherlock of Tyler Mott over Jake Vertanen, when you're going into a playoff game, I would have thought you're absolutely bonkers. So here's what I want to say to you. What do you think about switching Zach McEwen and Tyler Mott in those spots? Zach McEwen on a fourth line gives that fourth line a lot more speed, right? And he's not bad defensively. That's the thing we have to remember here. Like that fourth line is needs to be responsible defensively. That's why Jake isn't going to succeed on that line. That's why Louis Erickson would succeed on that line. He brings that two-way game. And I know... The price tag is insane, but I think calling Louis Erickson a worse player than Tyler Mott, I'm not there yet. I'm not. I think Louis Erickson, all, like all around, is a better player than Tyler Mott. You want him in your lineup over Tyler Mott on the fourth line. I don't. I don't agree with that at all. I think if you're if you're looking at what that fourth line is, if you're going to put Jay Beagle, Brandon Sutter, and Louis Erickson skating together on a fourth line, they're going to get walked by what the bottom six is going to be from that Minnesota Wild team. They will be so much faster than that group. You need Tyler Mott on that fourth line. You need Tyler Mott or Jake Vertanen on that fourth line because you need someone who can skate. Because Jay Beagle, though he can skate forever, he's not quick. Brandon Sutter's not quick at all. And also, Brandon Sutter hasn't looked 100% healthy so far in training camp either. So I would be worried about him even being in the opening roster. We've seen him practice and stuff, which is good. But he's missed a lot. But Tyler Mott, maybe overall, if you're saying, like, as a real NHL player, if you were to use him in a bottom six role, maybe Louis Erickson would be better. But I would need to be sold on that pretty hard because I think Tyler Mott's a pretty effective fourth liner. He, maybe as a bottom six player, if you're looking at it that way, maybe Louis Erickson fits in a third line better, but a fourth line player, Tyler Mott's almost one of the, one of the ones that I would love to see on any NHL team. I think he can, he's, he's an underrated scorer. I mean, he was a good scorer in college. He can shoot the puck pretty well, but the thing that you like about Tyler Mott is his hustle. He's exactly what you want as a fourth line winger. He can kill penalties. He's going to have to do that better penalty killing minutes or better penalty killing stats than Louis Erickson had this year. So I would go with, with Tyler Mott, you know, 10 out of 10 times on that fourth line instead of Louis. I'm with Drance on this one. I think Louis Erickson's their best fourth line player. I do. I really do. And here's the thing. It's tough because they just have a log gem of so many guys that are almost like useless. You know what I mean? Like these guys, the fact that we're talking about them and meanwhile, the top six is constructed the way Yo, it is. The top six is chill. Yeah. I'm like there is the no six. problem. It's there. really and good to be even, in this spot. <laughs> even the top nine can be something like yeah. with Godet there and Godet's not being taken out of that position. There's no way. I, I think there was chatter about that at the start of camp is, Oh, well now Sutter and Beagle are healthy. Is it going to go back to don't go take me down three, that four. freaking road of having Beagle and Sutter as your bottom six center. Uh, I cannot. I do don't, that I don't want to go there. I don't want to okay, go don't. there, but there was chatter at the start of camp yeah. and Godet had a good camp all the credit to him he had a good camp when he was skating with Miller and Toffoli he was absolutely oh, fun oh my gosh that was a was, fun practice he was that was the best one. Yeah, yeah totally um what were we talking about oh yeah the bottom six and how crappy it is but when it comes to penalty killing like I've seen a lot of people just say oh yeah just put Ferlin Vertanen and McEwen in well okay Pump the brakes there. Who's going to kill penalties for you? For some reason, for some reason, I don't know why. It's a mystery. Bo Horvat just can't kill penalties. I don't know why. His penalty killing numbers are not what they sh- what they should be. Tanner Pearson can kill penalties. He's great at it. JT Miller can also kill penalties. Tyler Mott can kill penalties. Obviously, you've got Jay Beagle. But now you take out Tyler Mott. So what are you doing? You know what? No, what I don't understand 100% at all, and I'm writing an article about this, because, and I asked him the question, about, why the hell is Antoine Roussel not killing penalties? The first seven years of his career, he's killing over two minutes a game of penalty minutes. When he's playing in Dallas, first year in Vancouver, he's killing an average of over a minute and a half of penalties per game. This past season, he kills 30 seconds of penalty kill this year. In the whole season. Why the hell is Antoine Roussel not there? I asked him. I think it's the reason he told you. It's because there's people that are better than him. Is Tanner Pearson a better penalty killer than Antoine Roussel? Oh, 100%. Tanner Pearson? Yeah. I don't know. I think Antoine Roussel is way chippier and faster. Like, Pearson's great at breaking up stuff on the boards, but I would way rather have Antoine Roussel's tenacity on the penalty kill. Yeah, I guess. But then you also... But he's got to be healthy, too. But he's also... You know what? Roussel also gives you that 
kind of worry of, okay, I'm going to be running around and hitting guys and being out of position. And yeah. when you're on a penalty kill, you've got to keep that formation. You can't be bra- you can't be running Russell's around too much. smart, though, too. He is. He's, he very, is. he's very, he's one of the smarter hockey players on this Canucks team. Yeah. I mean, I think that he, I, I just, it's so strange to me that he's not killing penalties and that he's not done it at all this year. You know, like, I'm sorry, but JT Miller can't play 26 minutes a game. Exactly. He can't and that, be on that's the ice point. for 26 that's, minutes a game. That's why I wanted to bring that up to you. It was like, to the people that are saying, oh yeah, just put Furlan, Vertanen, and McEwen in. Great. That's awesome at five on five that you're going to produce offense for sure. But listen, you're going to take penalties and you need guys who can kill those penalties because Jay Beagle can't do it alone. And killing penalties is probably the only thing that Jay Beagle really brings to this team that people really like. And obviously face-offs. Sure. But and face-offs on the penalty kill. Face-offs <laughs> on the penalty kill. You know, that's exactly. Jay Beagle's shit right there. You, and it, man, I don't know if you saw him practicing face-offs at all. I put it on my Snapchat story. I'm not sure if you saw yeah. it. But Manny Malhotra is working with him and just, like, dropping a bunch of pucks, rapid fire, and Beagle's just drawing them all back. Like, man, the, the guy's incredible at face-offs. And, I mean, you know, you can talk about what he's paid and how he's paid too much for too long for what he does. But, man... He is really good at killing penalties and taking faceoffs. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you can't you can't expect JT Miller to play first power play time on the first line and kill penalties. Like he does it, he'll do it. Maybe that's why he's the unsung hero. But damn straight. Oh my gosh. But you really do need those guys, those guys that everybody likes to shit on. You need those guys. Like Louis Erickson, you need those guys in your lineup. And I mean it's easy to crap on Louie because, you know, of what he's paid and everything, but I, I stand by it. Like, he, I, I think he's their best fourth liner. Well, the penalty kill is interesting, too. Like, that's that's the thing that everyone, you know, you can make your, your top 12 forward group. You can make your four lines, and, and yeah, if you're looking at five on five, it looks better with Louie Erickson out, Brandon Sutter out. 100%. You, know, you keep Jay Beagle in because he's a fourth-line center. He can be your fourth-line center, but it looks better when you almost if you take Tyler Mott out and you put, like, Furlan and Vertanen as your fourth line. I mean, that that's a better five-on-five line probably. But this, the penalty kill is so interesting because you really need these guys. I think that all three of these players on the fourth line are going to have to be penalty killers. You yeah. know, the fourth line isn't going to play a lot. Like, yeah. it's not going to play a lot unless you're actually using it on a matchup line against a second team. And Travis could do that. I mean, Travis Green likes to use that quite a bit. He does like using the Jay Beagle line sometimes as the matchup line. But we're so we're so curious to see, I think, as Canucks fans, is is he going to match up the Elias Patterson line against yes. the top line? If he does that, then he uses a Horvat line against the next best line. That fourth line's not going to play at all. You know, like, why would you even put the Jay Beagle, Brandon Sutter, and Tyler Mott slash Louis Erickson line out? When you have a lot more offense coming from the other guys, you literally would just be saving those three guys to kill penalties. And this is something I examined pretty shortly after the break. And once we found out they were playing the Minnesota Wild, again, this is before anything's announced, but we knew they were going to play the Minnesota Wild. I was looking at what Elias Patterson's last game against the New York Islanders could tell us about his potential deployment against Minnesota. And this is something that Travis has said he's talked to Elias about. And he said, like... He's one of the superstars in this game. He wants to have that challenge. Like, that's something he wants. Like, it's not like he's shying away from matching up against the best players. Like, you know, I'd say maybe don't do that against Colorado. I'm not sure if the Pedersen line could outmuscle the McKinnon line. But when it's a guy like Barzell on New York, that's a guy who, that's the, that's New York's best line. But they also have a pretty good four lines that they like to roll pretty consistently. So when you look at the data of when Pedersen was on the ice, every shift he got in that game, obviously not power play time, was against Matt Barzell. Like anytime Barzell was on the ice, Pedersen's line was right over the boards and they just outworked them. They were better in the offensive zone. They hardly let them have the puck. And again, that's a huge testament to Quinn Hughes' abilities as well. Again, is this something we could see with Minnesota because they have a similar makeup to New York? I'm not so sure. When Minnesota played against Vancouver, I'm pretty sure that they went with the old fourth line formation, or sorry, the um, the fourth line against the top line. That's what they did last time they played the Wild, as far as I, as as what I remember of the game. That's exactly what they did. So Travis has been asked about this. He's kind of dodged it in the way of you know, like we'll see when it actually happens. Yeah, I just watched all three of these games like today. 
and yesterday. And the thing that I saw was the Horvat line went up against Fiala in the second and third yeah. games. The first game they did. And I totally forgot. This is one of my Botchford nights was uh, Minnesota when they came to oh, Rogers really? Arena. Yeah. Huh. I completely forgot about it because it was like a shootout and it was Minnesota's. Oh, I was uh, there too. Game. You were at that game as well. Yeah. yeah. So the Horvat line played against the Fiala line. Um, the thing that I found was interesting was. So the first game that they played against Minnesota Wild, the Wild went 0 for 5 on the power play against Vancouver. Mm. The Canucks looked really good on the penalty kill on that one. And then the next one, they scored two power play goals, but also scored one right as the power play expired. So, like, Mm. people are talking about a lot about, you know, putting these penalty killers in and making them so important. But there was also a game where the Canucks played the Wild where the Canucks only took two penalties. I think they're going to be closer to that than closer to five. Uh, and when we're actually seeing a playoff game of this Vancouver Canucks team, they're going to be not taking. They're not going to be taking penalties. They really can't do that in the playoff game. That's going to that's going to hurt them a lot. So I look at the bottom six like we're talking about, and I think like, is it really that much of a drop off to have Antoine Roussel or Tanner Pearson play instead of you know a Louis Erickson or another winger that you might want to use in that situation? Like, would it be the worst if the fourth line was Jake Vertanen taking a spot of? a Brandon Sutter or a Tyler Mott. You know, if McEwen's no. going to hop in on the third line, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to, you have enough penalty killers. It's not the worst thing in the world, but you, you would probably want to, you'd probably be Mott, right? Like you'd have to use Vertanen as the fourth line left winger, but then does he just not fit that line at all? You know, like so, him and Sutter and Beagle don't feel like a line that I would like to watch very much. So I completely agree with you. I, I think, yeah, Vertanen on the fourth line. Sure. But we know Travis isn't going to do that. There is zero chance that Travis Furlan, though. Well, that's the wild card. But I, what I'm saying is there's zero chance that Brandon Sutter sits and Jake Vertanen plays on the fourth right. line. Yeah, you there's mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Zero chance Travis does that. Yeah, for sure. No matter what we think. Like, we can think that that's, you know, Vertanen's a he better 5 two guys yeah. to be the centers exactly. that kill penalties. And, exactly. will, and I think the reason we saw JT Miller was because Brandon Sutter gets hurt or yep. Jay Beagle gets hurt. That's the time that we saw JT Miller killing penalties. They won't go away from that. They won't go away from Beagle Sutter. As their top two, so the fourth line, like let's let's talk about Furlan then. Like, is is Furlan has he shown you enough? The fact that he's contributing, playing games. I think I think Friday night's going to be huge. I think Friday night, the players that we need to watch and the storylines are going to see is it's the same guys we've been talking about the first thirty minutes of this episode. Yep. It's Michael Furlan, it's Jake Vertan, it's Zach McEwen. Everything else feels pretty set in stone, right? Like those three guys. Whoever stands out here is going to be the one that that's going to get to play. And like I would. I would love to see Michael Furlan playing a fourth line and maybe have to play over Tyler Mott. You know, that's the spot where I can see him playing. Or even if Antoine Roussel, like if he slips a little bit, do you put Furlan right in there? I would. I just think that Furlan as like a 13th forward on your team going into the playoffs is so perfect. Just yeah. like if he can actually go out and play at actual speed, at full speed of an NHL game, and he can do what he, do, what he did, and he had three and a half hits per game this year in the limited 14 games that he played, if he's able to just contribute as a 13th guy, if you slot him in every couple of games, you know, if somebody slumps, you throw Furlan right in there if he's healthy. If Furlan can't make it through a game, then you just say, okay, you're done then. You know, like, we're done. We're going to try this again next year. Do it Do it that way. But if he can play and he's confident and he's passed every single test and he's doing stuff at full speed and he's, like, playing full scrimmage games, I don't know. The exhibition game will probably tell us a lot. And I like that um, they're getting an extra defenseman and an extra forward spot. So yes. they're going to have 13 forwards. They're going to have seven defensemen. You know, like, are we going to get Seoli Levy playing against some NHL competition at full speed? They were talking about it today in the Zoom calls. Like, this exhibition game is huge. They're going to try so hard in this compared to what they do in a regular preseason game. Yeah. Because this is the this is the one chance that this they get. This is their primer, yeah. This is it. This is the one chance that you get to see, oh, wow, this is what NHL speed's like. Or like, oh, wow, this is what playoff speed's like, right? Because teams are going to be going hard. There's obviously not going to be a fight or anything in this exhibition game, but you're going to be seeing full-out hits. You're going to be seeing full-out skating. You're going to care about this exhibition game more than anything, I think, going into this, what 10 times more than what we've seen at scrimmage. And I think Friday night we're going to see a lot here at scrimmage because, you know, I'm heading there in a few hours, and I think, like, it's this is going to be as close to hockey as I can that I've seen in months. I'm so damn excited. So with that exhibition game, I don't think Jake Vertanen is going to be scratched for that game. I think he's either going to be dressed as the extra forward, like he has been in all the scrimmages as of late. I think he's going to be in that position. And and rotating with McEwen? Yeah, maybe. And that's that's the thing. This is going to be an opportunity for Jake. Like Obviously, in scrimmage, he can't play 
mean. He can't really throw a ton of hits. Tell that to Chatfield. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, he's he has tried to play mean, but again, like it, it, you know what I mean. Like when he's there's playing, no captain to yell at him anymore if he yeah, wants to play mean. Exactly. If he's playing against Winnipeg, there's less. Oh, I gotta hold up before There's I no hit leash. This guy. Is what you're trying to exactly, say. exactly. So with Furland, like we've seen Furland throwing hits in practice, and I think a lot of people are just kind of being like, okay, like he's got to get in game shape. Like it's important that he's able to throw these hits. And I mean, I think it means more for Furland to play in that exhibition game than Jake. Well, he, I think he's going to. That's the thing. I think because Jake's going to be the extra forward is what I'm saying. So I think it's gonna it's gonna be a really. So they're gonna sit one of Mott. Roussel yeah, I think or, it's Mott. I think it's Mott. Think, that goes yeah, out. Mott would be the one. That I you think would, Mott's you would the one sit. that sits out, and then and, you and that, that goes to game one too. Like, I think it's going to be yeah. Mott that sits out, man. I really, really do. I don't know. I, I just I feel like Mott's been there all training camp 2.0. He's been alongside, you know, even when Sutter wasn't there, Mott was on that fourth line playing with with um, with Jay Beagle like the whole camp. He was yeah. the first unit. He was out there on the first penalty kill unit, killing penalties against the first power play unit. I don't know if the, I don't know if he'll sit Mott. I think that they like what Tyler Mott's gonna bring to this team in the playoffs. I, I Travis Green loves Tyler Mott. I mean, he's a major Travis Green guy. I don't think he sits him, but I think that if you want to see what Michael Furlan could do, just like it's a really good idea. Like if you sit if you sit Tyler Mott in this exhibition game and you say, "Hey Jake, you're gonna take shifts on the fourth line." Hey, for Michael Furlan, you're gonna take shifts on the fourth line as well. Both of you guys, your leashes are off. Go out there and play the hardest playoff hockey you can. Whoever makes a bigger impact is going to get a chance to play first. Because if Furling is health can hold up and he can do it and he goes and plays a Michael Furling game, hell, that's that's damn exciting for Canucks fans. And if Jake Rattanen goes up and gets that hometown thing that I was talking about so much weeks ago yeah. about him being, you know, having Rogers Arena behind him and the whole city of Vancouver rooting for this kid, like if he goes out and plays that way. That's huge too. So it's going to be, I think that those two are the most important that we're going to see because I think Zach McEwen, as long as, you know, as long as he doesn't fluff a bunch of muffins here in Friday night scrimmage and it looks, you know, up to speed in the Minnesota or in the Winnipeg game, there's no chance they're taking, I mean, I don't think they're taking on McEwen. So I really think that it's going to be a battle between Furlan and Vertanen now. So you brought up a good point there. Tyler Mott is a Travis Green guy. Is Jake Vertanen really a Travis Green guy? Uh, I, no, he he's really not. And that's what like But he's had him for so long that I, I think know, he's almost become one. I know. I know. I get it, but what I'm saying is you even mentioning that 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 Green really likes Tyler Mott, like that only adds to the theory that it's going to be Jake that's the odd man out. That's what I think. I think it really just comes down to like we're already saying McEwen's a lock for the lineup. And that's something no one saw coming coming into this. Like could you imagine if Josh Levo was healthy right now? Like, Josh Levo would be on that third line, for sure. Oh, yeah. No, McEwen, yeah. We wouldn't be talking much about... Even if McEwen had this play, yeah. unless Levo looked horrible. Yeah, like, I thought we were going to get Levo, too. That, I know, I, I was really hoping. There's a lot of really good wingers in this camp. If you're sitting out, like I said earlier, Michael Furlan and Jake Vertanen are sitting out for you, like, damn. That's a tough pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. It is. It well, really tell is. Tell that to the six million you're going to have to sit when you put Louie on the bench, too. That's Yeah, probably. wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyways, let's cut to break. On the other side of the break, we'll just continue talking about the lineup because really that's all we're going to talk about on this episode. So keep it locked and loaded on Canucks Conversation. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code Canucks Convo. That's all one word, promo code Canucks Convo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. Support for Canucks Conversation is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The water-resistant technology on the Lawnmower 3.0, which just launched in Canada, by the way, allows you to groom in the shower. It's perfect. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last you up to 90 minutes and has a USB-mounted charger, so you can show off your perfect tool for your family jewels. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CANUCKSCONVO at manscaped.com. Your balls will. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. I always love when you talk about balls on this show. Thank you. Um, I just want to say we're not going to do an ad for Parallel. We talked about them at the start. Uh, they're working on some stuff right now. We're excited to see uh, what they work on into the future here, and then we'll talk a little bit more about Parallel as we move forward. 
aside from that, moving forward, we want to talk more about this lineup. It's getting heated. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the second power play unit and the sure. whole situation with Antoine Roussel being there. You know, that's we've talked a lot about the lineup and why some of these bottom six players should be there for the penalty kill. I don't know how I feel about Antoine Roussel on the second power play unit. Worse than you do about Jake Vertanen on the second power play unit. Definitely worse. Yeah, I think that Jake Vertanen is a better player on the power play unit than him. And I think that depending on where you're going to play him, you know, there's... Like, is there argument to say that Brandon Sutter is a better second power play unit player than Antoine Roussel? Maybe. Not better than Jake Vertanen. Remember when the NHL tweeted out that thing of the... Horvat, Pedersen, uh, Sutter, what a line when they oh traded my that out. <laughs> it's like a power play situation where like Sutter had to play because of injuries. But like oh is gosh. Sutter a better option as the guy behind the net or the bumper position or the guy who's, you know, in that role than Antoine Roussel? Because yeah, he's he's not a great passer, but neither is Roussel really. I mean Roussel's got that backhand sauce. But Sutter's a pretty decent finisher around the net. Yeah, he's he does got a like, sneaky good shot. Oh, he does. He has a he has a pretty solid shot. And the thing is, if he's healthy, like it, it can be effective. But you know, he can also help on that second power play unit for taking faceoffs. I mean, Adam Gaudet's not the greatest guy at taking faceoffs. If you put Brandon Sutter on that second unit, he has to take a faceoff. It's that's a pretty solid center there. I just I don't know about Antoine Roussel in the power play. I've looked at a lot of numbers. I've looked at, you know, what the goals are scored with. Adam Gaudet's obviously the guy that you need on that second power yep. play unit. But when you have Adam Gaudet and Jake Vertanen on your second power play unit, it's scoring as much as the first power play unit. You know who else is on the second power play unit? It's Brock Besser. Yeah, I like that. I like that too because well, yeah. he's a shooter. And oh, yeah. that's a that's a shoot and he's first. In the, he's in questions. the bumper spot. Yeah, exactly. Which is crazy because, like, Brock was known when he got here. He was that left side one-step, two-step yep. shoot. You know, and Adam Gaudet really kind of took that role over on this. He's not giving away that spot on the second power play. Adam Gaudet's going to be in that spot yeah. as a second power play unit guy, like until he leaves the Vancouver Canucks. And Alex Edler kept looking off Brock Besser in his first year. That was really funny. I remember that. I remember reading the Provies and stuff all those nights, and it was funny because after a while, uh, Botch and J Pat were like, "Okay, we have to ask Travis about this." So they did. They they were like. <laughs> I can't remember they asked the question, but I remember Travis was just like, I don't think he's looking him off. But yeah. then Edler finally stopped looking him off, but it was so funny. There was like five well, gifts as soon as, as soon as Botch and Jeff asked him, it was like days after I remember. Like he started passing it to him every single time. <laughs> and that was just like another legendary PatCast thing right there, <laughs> uh, which was just incredible. Oh, um, yeah, but I mean like that, I don't know. Something about the something about Roussel, I, maybe it's just stuck in my mind that I think he should be a penalty killer so much that yeah. that's what's maybe making me be a little biased about him on the second power play unit. But um, I just, I don't know. I feel like that there's a better way. Like if Michael Furlan's in the lineup, he's a better option to me. Yep. Jake Vertanen's in the lineup, he's a better option to me. And like, I, I know I sound crazy. Some people are going to think I'm out of my mind, but I feel like Brandon Sutter can bring some, if you use him in the right spot as like your net front presence guy, like I know why they're using Antoine Roussel there because they think that he's going to be able to retrieve pucks the best behind the net. You know, when the puck goes behind the net or if it just misses, Roussel does have a quick step if he's healthy. Yep. He can go back and get those pucks and then try and get it to an Adam Goddard, to a Brock Besser, you know, to a Tanner Pearson, I guess, is who they're using on the right side yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he can try and move the puck to them. But I think that Brandon Sutter around the net, he's a big body. He can stand in front of a goaltender. But I don't know. I think that he's an option that they should maybe try and explore because there's something about Antoine Roussel that I just think Roussel, and Sutter does it to a degree as well, but I think Roussel, when the puck hits his stick, he's not the greatest at continuing on with a cycle. And I think on that unit, that second unit especially is just so good at throwing pucks towards the net. And I think that Brandon Sutter is a type of guy whose offense can, can mend well with a type of power play. That's just going to throw pucks towards the net. I feel like Brandon Sutter fits that better than Roussel, I guess. Yeah. And I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I mean, I guess it's a hot take to have Brandon Sutter on the power play, but I'm I'm with you there. I think I think you're on to something there. I think I don't, I don't all tweet out all my hot takes. I got a bunch brewing in here. Save for the <laughs> podcast, man. Yeah, I love it. That's man. I'm just trying to think of what that power play would look like. So you've got Sutter as the net front, and you want you don't want Roussel then, right? No, I I would rather Roussel. Like I'll have Pearson on the right side or Pearson in front of the net, um, and then even maybe Sutter as the bumper. Okay, you know Sutter and Pearson can rotate, and then have so, Brock on the right. So then you've Goddett got Brock on the, on the right and Goddett on the left. So Brock's moving north south. Yeah, I like him going down okay. his strong side. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I can dig that. Either that or you put him in the bumper and then you put Pearson maybe on the right side. Pearson shots a muffin, though. I wouldn't want him no, shooting from the no, right side. I'm with you. Yeah. You'd yeah. almost need to like have a different look of a power play. You know, you'd like, you know, like, 
Is it the worst idea to have Alex Edler and Tyler Marius out there? That's a lot to take in and a lot to change. I don't think they're going to do anything like that. Yeah. But, you know, maybe that's something to discuss next year. Maybe Huglander will make the team and he'll play that wing next side. Speaking of guys who can make the team, what a camp Ollie Olevi had out of nowhere, too. Oh, I was, yes. I was, I was kind of shocked. Let's freaking talk Yolevi. Let's man. talk Yolevi. Cause on the first day of camp, he looked like garbage. And a lot of people were like, tough camp for Yolevi. Like, man, the kid's just not ready. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not out here saying put Ollie Olevi in the third pair. He's ready to go. That's not what I'm saying. But the way he improved, there was that scrimmage. Oh, man, I think it was the second scrimmage. I was watching, and he had two really, really bad plays. Like, one, he shot into shin pads and gave up a breakaway the other way. Thankfully, Jacob Markstrom was Jacob Markstrom and stopped it. The other one was he's trying to wheel the puck out, and he's, like, trying to carry the puck out. And one thing I've always pointed out this whole these past weeks have been Yolevi's ability to do that quick breakout pass and the stretch pass, whatever. Getting out of the zone, his breakout passes are Awesome. Like Yolevi's ability to use the boards on passes oh, is yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's something I, I wrote I put a bunch of clips in, in the yeah. in the article that I wrote. But like that's something that you see Yolevi do consistently is just use the boards for breakout passes, and that's something you don't see from a lot of guys. So in this instance, he tried to carry it out and he gave it up, and it led to like a two on O, which was then a two on one, and basically Yolevi had a tough start. He gave up like two two very prime scoring chances that wouldn't have happened if he had played defense better, right? If he had done his job on that department. So, you know, it was a tough start. It was. But then in that game, that same game, okay, where he shit the bed on the two at the start, that same game, he just turns it around. Like, all of a sudden, the guy is flying out there. He's making these great passes. He's carrying the puck. He's looking confident. He's, like, shrugging off four checkers. He's he's being there for his partner, who became Troy Stetcher later on. Uh, and he was, like, very vocal. And Stetcher was, like, under pressure. And Yolevi's, like, telling him what to do. He's calling an audible. And it was just, you love to see it. He's looking confident. And he's looking way more comfortable. Like, that when a player is vocal like that at camp, like that's not something you really saw from the Black Aces, and I think that's just a testament to how good Yo Levy, Yo Levy's looked in the past the past little bit, like the way he's able to kind of mesh with Troy Stetcher in that role on the I guess it was the second pairing for the scrimmage, but the way he was able to mesh was like wow, this legitimately could be a third pairing down the line. Like Yo Levy's not there yet. Don't get me wrong, like. And it was funny because when I was when I tweeted out and like I'm all of a sudden I'm a Yulevi truther, right? When I was tweeting out like very strong for Yulevi, like he's looking great. A lot of people were like, "Oh, don't tell that to the negativity crew. They won't be able to give Jim Benning credit." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Pump the brakes. Just because he looked good at camp does not mean his overall fifth overall draft positioning was justified. That is not what I was trying no. to say. And so. the, the thing you got to be careful with with Ole Levy is first few games of the Utica Comets season, he's skating well, he's making passes, he's running the first power play unit, and then he gets hurt, you know? Ugh. Listen, like he's... Then he tries to play the rest of the season. They just something off about him. He looked hurt. He came into training camp looking 100% healthy. He's, he's healthy right now. You know, all yeah. the stuff that we heard from his agent... Uh, through Rick Dollywall of Newport Sports. He was reporting the whole time that he's healthy. I didn't believe it. He's healthy. He is He is definitely healthy. Oh, 100%. He's the healthiest I've seen him since this, you know, not even like the start of this year. I think he wasn't even healthy coming in out of training camp. You know, like there was a time where he came back um, from missing a month and he was looking good. He was skating really well. He looked good. And that was early. I think he went out in this early December, came back in January and he looked good. He played very well with the Utica Comets then, but he's healthy. You know, like is the thing that I don't like about the injuries with the old Levy is I think that some of these injuries are just like wear and tear from him not being able to like play a lot of hockey. You no. Know? And that's the scariest part is like, is the knee something that just like looks healthy for a bit, but once you're really working it every single day, is that when it starts to wear down or is it the hip that's doing that? Yeah. That's the scary part about him. But you know, like you, you can't knock what he's done at training camp at all. He's, he's looked good. His skating looks powerful. Like I, I oh, watched yeah. him all year long in Utica. This is the best I've seen him skate. When I saw him doing some drills, even the little drills where they just defensemen take the puck and they move up ice with it. 
it was the best that I've seen Ole Levy skate. So what we often see with Lou Levy is him getting turnstiled, not being able to pivot in time and just getting beat. You didn't see a lot of that at camp. He was well, looking much no, well in drills. Still, it, like when people yeah, are coming down in yeah. Levy, he still gets walked. I, I know a lot of people are really yeah. praising Levy right now, but I wrote this in the negative side of the article that I wrote. He, that's like he hasn't improved on a lot of the stuff that I wrote about in the negative. Yes, you're right. He's still getting walked. He's still not making a good decision when he's under pressure. You haven't seen a lot of that because it's scrimmage. He looks okay at certain times, but some of the stuff from that I've heard around scrimmages, he's he just he hasn't improved on the stuff that he's been bad at. But he's improved on everything that he's good at. And I think yes. that's a, that's a positive. But you're going to need to see him be a little bit better at some of the other things. But he hasn't been getting turnstiled the same way that he was before. Like, I obviously, well, I edited the article, so obviously I've read it. But your negatives article where you talked about, you know, how he does get beat and he gets turnstiled. Like, personally, I haven't seen a lot of that at training camp. Like, when guys are trying to go around him, like, still, that's a huge weakness of him. Like, he can't pivot super fast. But how much of that was because of the knee? And yeah. now that the knee's looking better, we're starting to see him be able to do it a little bit better. And I mean, yeah, it's still not a strength in his game by any means. And you still hate to see a defenseman get turnstiled like that multiple times in a game. But you're seeing it less and less, I think. And, you know, you're right. How much of that is because of the scrimmage format and, you know, guys not necessarily trying stuff that they wouldn't try in a game. And I don't Even know. Even practice, like... When he was pre- so the first couple that I went to, I saw Yo Levy like going up against Tyler Grayback, who's a big, strong guy, or yeah. Justin Bailey, and really only Yo Levy's bodying up these guys. And Tyler yeah. Grayback, who's lar- he's a bigger guy than Yo Levy, he's stronger than Yo Levy probably. But Justin Bailey, I mean, Justin Bailey's a little bit bigger maybe than Yo Levy, but I don't know if he's stronger. Like Yo Levy's, Yo Levy's a strong guy. A lot of people look at him and they just think he's this Finnish guy who's more of like a skill defenseman. Like you look at Ole Levy, he's he's a big boy. Like he's yeah. he's solid two oh five, solid six foot one. He's he's not small on the ice. Yeah. I think people need to recognize that about when we start to look at the real expectations of Ole Levy about him possibly being in the NHL in the future. What he's gonna be is a bottom four defenseman. Yeah. You know, everyone talks about is he a top four? No, he's a bottom four. He might move into your second pair. But what he's going to do well on this team is he's gonna kill penalties. He's going to block a ton of shots, and he's going to move the puck well as a bottom four defenseman. If he turns into Troy Stetcher, that's an absolute win. And I mean, you know, I hate the word bust, but yeah, like at this point, sure, you can say that he's not going to live up. Like, he's not going to live up to his draft ranking, but you're... You just you don't want to sit there and cry over spilled milk. You know what I mean? Like when the Canucks drafted this guy, they thought he was going to be a top four defenseman. They thought he was going to play on their top pair. That's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen. You know, there's guys like Quinn Hughes now, and I mean, it's great that the Canucks landed on Quinn Hughes and were able to pick him up because we've seen the magical things he can do. But again, like if Ali Levy just becomes Troy Stetcher, that's still better than him playing zero NHL games, which is was a real possibility for a while there. Like a lot of people were saying, like this guy's never going to be able to be healthy enough to play in the NHL for any substantiated amount of time. But here's the thing: this training camp format, I don't think it benefits anybody more than it benefited Ali Levy. And where the hell is Jack Rathbone? We were told he was coming, and. This, I was wondering if there's something about him coming from America being a problem. Probably. That's but the only thing. This but. was a similar th- sort of thing. And then the, again, there's like going to be 30, or not 30, but like 20 something NHL yeah, teams yeah, coming exactly. out from, from the States. Exactly. So I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know why Rathbone's not here. Because we but. were told the original plan was for him to come and play part of training camp. So yeah. I was looking at this and saying, like, okay, like this camp is going to benefit Rathbone and you'll levy two guys who are going to be trying to make the roster out of camp next year, right? They know that they're not going to be, they're not playing for spots right now. They're playing for spots for next year, which is a very low pressure environment. But you know what? Yo Levy has played himself into probably being ahead of Sautner, probably being ahead of Breezebois, and that's not what I would have expected going into camp. I so, would have thought, I would have thought Sautner and, Bre- yeah. and Brogan Rafferty were going to be standing above the rest of the defensemen just because of what I saw in Utica with Sautner always being the number one guy, Brogan Rafferty always being the number one right shot guy. Like, where is Brogan Rafferty? Like, I just, he's not getting the opportunities like Ole Levy's getting in, in the training camp. I still, I watch these second practices and it's just me and Harm. Everyone else is doing the interviews. Harmon's out there watching the second group. I'm out there watching the second group. Rafferty is just so much better than all of these other guys in this group. I mean, he's out there skating with Justin Bailey. He's out there skating with Tyler Gravak and Brogan Rafferty looks like the best player. You know, Brogan Rafferty, I just, I thought that he was going to be 
the guy who was going to be the next up after Jordy Ben. I thought he was totally just going to be sitting in there on that fourth pair with Jordy Ben all throughout training camp. He was going to be the right shot guy, and he was going to get the opportunity when when that arrives. And then Chatfield starts there on day one, you know, and then they move in a different direction. They don't use him at all on the right side, and now we're starting to see him. He's barely getting any opportunities with the first group in practice. So I, I, I he's so much more talented than all. Yeah. He's better. He's like we're talking all this good stuff about Yolevi. Brogan Rafferty's so much better than Ole Yolevi right now. And he's just not getting the praise because he's not really being given the opportunity. And he hasn't really, like, he hasn't had a, a scrimmage where he's been able to, like, shine. I'm really hoping he has it Friday night because I would love to be tweeting out a ton of videos of Brogan Rafferty to, like, yeah. prove people that, like, all the stuff that I've been talking about all year about in the AHL, he is a good player. He's not a Derek Pouliot who puts up a lot of numbers in the in the AHL as a defenseman. Like, this guy is different. He moves the puck well, plays defense good. I, I just, I don't know. I need I need to see that Friday night. I hope that when you guys listen to this on Saturday, you saw a bunch of videos of Brogan Rafferty last night. So, in the event of an injury to the D... I think you're not going to see Ole Levy in the lineup. I think Breezeball is still going to go in ahead of him. And I think the sole reason for that mm. is that Breezeball has played NHL games. Ashton Sautner has played NHL games. So, yes, in a way, Levy's moved up on the depth chart. But in the sense of if an injury arises against Minnesota so or in the playoffs... So, moved up in the 2021 depth chart. Yes, exactly. But... In these playoffs or postseason, whatever the hell you want to call it, I still see Sautner and Breezebois playing ahead of Yolevi. And Rafferty's a total wild card and all that, right? In Travis Green's mind, well, then you can take the idea right back to the Zach McEwen, Jake Vertanen thing. Yeah. You know, would would he go with, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, Yolevi's look good in camp, so is Zach McEwen. But McEwen, McEwen, McEwen was looking good before camp, and he was looking true. good was in, in NHL, NHL games. That's a good point. Right? It, is a little, it is definitely different with that. But you can't make the argument and say, oh, well, Chatfield, who's got four NHL games or whatever he's I got. I didn't say Chatfield. I, I, I don't sorry, like Chatfield as much Bois. as a lot of these but people. Breeze, well, how many NHL games does he have? Like 9, 10, 12, something like that? Like, something like you that. You can't say that he's got that much more experience than only Yolevi. I, I would like. I don't know if – I think that he would go with Yolevi over Breezebois and, and Sautner right now. You know, and I, I and I that's I've totally flipped since the start of training camp because I didn't see Yolevi I didn't see Yolevi coming out and having yeah. a camp like this. But now I think that he, after Jordy Ben, he is the next left shot defenseman up. I think he's ahead of all those Utica so guys now. He should be sure. But what do you think Travis is going to do? I I I'm with you on that. I think Yolevi is the best option behind Jordy Ben. I'm with you. But what do I think Travis is going to do? I think if Sautner has. 80 games, or if 80 games, or Breezeball has 80 games, yeah, but I don't think they have enough NHL experience to to be Travis Green's guy, right? Like, Travis Green hasn't seen those guys. Like, Travis I, Green must have had... Sautner. He must have had Sautner. Sautner. yeah. Well, I don't know about Breezeball. No, not Breezeball. I think... I think he's going to go with Breezeball and Sautner ahead of Yolevi. That's yeah. what I think. Like, I think Travis is going to do that if... In the event of an injury, I don't see Yolevi making his debut in this postseason. I just don't. I don't think I don't think that's something Travis is comfortable with. And we keep saying Travis, 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 but Nolan Bumgarner is a part of this, right? Like there's an entire coaching staff there. And have they seen enough from Yolevi on the defensive side? Like I pointed out, like his defensive stick has looked awesome in this training camp. Like his body positioning on everybody and even tying up guys in front, like he's looked good good but again it all comes back to like it doesn't matter what we think like fans always think it matters what they think no one cares what you think no one cares what we think obviously you guys do because you're listening to this but when it comes to when it comes down to it the only opinion that matters when it comes to the Canucks lineup is that of Travis and his coaching staff and when I think about what they're gonna do Travis and his coaching staff I think that Yolevi is lower than Breezeball and Sautner in these guys' minds heading into the playoffs. Next year, different story. Heading into the playoffs. NHL games right now, quads. How many do you think Ashton Sautner has? I think Ashton Sautner has like 13. Ashton Sautner has three. What? No, he plays way more with Shen. I guess you just Googled it, so you can't be lying. (laughs) Beyond Breezeball, how many does he have? Oh, I thought Breezeball had less than Sautner. (laughs) He's got more than Sautner. Oh, sorry. No, wait. Three seasons. He's got 23 games. Yeah, uh, what Sautner the hell? Yeah, I was, was going to say, say like, that doesn't like sound right at all. 13 with Luke Shen. So what 23 games about? for him, and Breezeball has eight. Okay, so 23. So, how many does Yolevi have? Zero, exactly. Exactly. But I still think 23 games isn't enough to really say, like, okay, 
he's a better player in the NHL right now. Because of the 23 games that he's played in the last three seasons of the NHL, He's, he's the safer option, and they're yeah. going to go well, with you know the what? safer Maybe, option. Because like seven games, a year, if you average it out, it's like seven and a half games per year. Yeah. over the past three years, like yeah, that is that actually is a pretty decent amount for like an eighth defense. Exactly, he's older, he's more experienced, he is the safer option in these playoffs. It doesn't yeah, matter what and Travis we think. Green would have been there all those three years. Exactly, and I'm with you though. I'm totally with you. You'll levy. You for take his years? puck moving ability. Hell, like I said, his defensive stick. Like I thought he's great in this in this preseason. I'd give him a shot. But again, doesn't matter what we think. I think they're going to go with the safer option, and that safer option, hands down, is Ashton Sautner. Yeah, and the, I guess the good thing is having Jordy Ben as the other guy. Like, I don't know. I feel like the rights, like, it's still, like, I get back to Brogan Rafferty. Like, is he even going to be the first option for the right oh, side? Like, because Jordy Ben would hop in first on the right. Yeah, you lose Troy Stetcher, you lose one of the right shot guys. Jordy Ben hops in. After that, like. I don't know. I just, I still think that Brogan Rafferty's the best NHL defenseman out of that group. And I don't even think, I don't even think it's really close. I don't think it's close to what Sautner is, you know, and that's what it worries me a little bit because it's like, okay, Brogan Rafferty went out. He's an AHL all-star. He was one of the best scoring defensemen in the AHL this past year. He didn't get a lick of the NHL. Not one opportunity to get called up to the NHL. And it's like, oh, they want him to play a lot of games in the AHL. Now we see him at training camp. It's like, okay, we want to see this guy play a lot, apparently. That's what the Canucks have been saying. Why isn't he going out with the first practice group then? It's like, oh, we wanted to see this guy play a lot. He was just an all-star defenseman in the AHL, the second leading scorer out of defensemen. You're not going to make this guy part of your first group right out of the first gate of practice. You're going to be Jalen Chatfield there. You know, Jalen Chatfield's yeah. got a couple NHL games, but now this is a very different story looking at Yolevi, I think, to Rafferty because Yolevi hasn't been able to make it because of his injuries. That's what's held him back. Brogan Rafferty's been a professional for one year. He's been a professional hockey player for one year, and he's played NHL games. You know, he's played a couple games. You, you talk about the shift with Quinn Hughes last year. Why aren't they giving Brogan Rafferty the opportunity to do this? He was your best defenseman by a mile at moving the puck, probably playing defense as well. I mean, Chatfield's a guy who's going to be in your face defensively, but Brogan Rafferty's solid defensively. There's nothing lacking in his game. I just don't, I don't understand what they're going, and it makes me question what they did all season long, not giving him a shot at the NHL at all. Well, the problem is nobody got hurt. And it's the worst year for Rafferty to have that great year because every other year, Tanev misses 20 but games. Jalen Chaffield gets called up. Guillaume Breezeball gets called up. To do what? To skate with an NHL team yeah, would have been Yeah, but they're nice. sitting in the press box. It's be- yeah. It was better for Rafferty's development to stay in the American League at then the time. It's better for his development to be practicing with the first group if he's the best that. defenseman. I'll give you that. But when he did practice with the first group, Hey man, he didn't really stand out. I gotta say, and he made a couple mistakes. I mm-hmm. I didn't really see much from Rafferty in this training camp. Like as we close out here with the two weeks of training camp, Rafferty isn't somebody that people are talking about. He and again, it comes down to opportunity. You know what? When he's right. in that second group practicing with six players on the ice and two goaltenders, I watched those second. You can't talk about him. Yeah, that's you know, fair. You can't talk about it. That's why we're talking about Yolevi so much. Yolevi's up with the first group ever since Jordan But I'm ben also left. referring to the scrimmages, right? I'm referring right. to the scrimmages and when he did skate with the first And that's group. what I'm saying right now. I really hope by the time this episode drops on Saturday that I was tweeting up a storm on Friday about Me some too. good Rafferty stuff. But I'm going to be honest. Like If he's not good, I'm going to have to tweet that out too. As much as I want to support the guy. As friend much of the as, show. You know, friend of the show, former guest of the show. I mean, hell, you talked about The Bachelor with this guy. You know, he's a great guy. He's a good guy. You guys I really you like hope him. he does well. Yeah, I hope he does well too. But it's like you know what? You got to tweet it out honestly. Um, and yeah, I don't know. This it seems like we've we've chatted enough. Can I talk a little bit about some other stuff non hockey related? Uh, sure. Okay. Baseball. So, no, not baseball. You're going to watch the Jays. I know you're in a hurry. But Squamish Sea to Sky Gondola. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This freaking gondola is unreal. It never is been. so cool. You never been. Okay, never so been. Uh, you go to Squamish. We went to Whistler. Whistler. I don't know. Whistler's whatever. There's nothing impressive about. Did Whistler you go to? to me. Did you go to Splits Burgers? No, I went to Cow's Ice Cream, Ooh. which was good. Huh? Apparently, it's from Prince Edward Island, and they had an. Okay, so all their like, all their flavors of ice cream are like something to do with cow or moo. So I'm from Nanaimo. What are we famous for in Nanaimo? Nanaimo bars. Good, good job. That took you a second, but well, I was, so they I was have, between boat races and Nanaimo. So bars. all of like the random stuff. So they have all these T-shirts at this cow's place, and it would be like Dunder Mufflin, and it would be like all the guys from the office. Oh but it was gosh. like as cows and a lot of these stupid things. But the ice cream that I got was called Nanaimo bar. It was really good. They have like a ton of different ice creams, all the fresh made stuff. So that was good in Whistler. But man, this gondola is ridiculous. You take this gondola up, 
I'm not great with heights personally, but going up this thing was pretty chill. Like you're in a small little dome. I don't know. It was a little sketchy at certain points, but yeah. it was pretty cool going out there. And then you're like on the nicest patio. This has got to be one of the top 10 patios in the world. Like you're on mm-hmm. the, you're on the top of a mountain surrounded by other mountains above the clouds. And you're on a freaking patio drinking beer. Like it is the sickest patio I've, I've seen in my, and it's in Squamish. Wow. I see. I've been to Squamish. I've never been. Honestly, like, we're not sponsored or anything, but, like, (laughs) this thing was only, like, I'm pretty sure it was only, like, 50 bucks to go up this. I could be completely wrong. Someone can correct me with that. But you go up on this patio. You go up there for a lunch. Food was pretty good. Food was pretty strong. Bread with with cranberries in it is, like, my favorite bread ever. And I had a clubhouse sandwich, and it had, like, cranberries in the bread. Really high end. That's That's a good tip for you if you're ever making bread. But this patio, man... Like, it's like, I don't know. I've not been to the best patios in the world, but this has to be up there in the top 10. Hmm. Ranking patios. I love it. That's that's the way to end the episode. I, I got I to go there. I, I've never been, but I, that's something I'd like. And I'm not a huge fan of heights. Have you ever been to the Capilano suspension bridge? No, they had, they had a suspension bridge at the top of this too, which like, I was chill with that. And we were hmm. like, going between like two mountain peaks for this suspension bridge so see oh see i wouldn't do well with well that. like the drop wasn't crazy like there was trees that were pretty high up so yeah. it didn't seem that bad but i know the suspension bridge is, is probably a bigger drop is it okay the capilano one you're talking yeah about. Yeah, yeah yeah that one's a bigger drop i've seen the pictures of that yeah that's yeah i remember being terrified of that when i was like 10 doing it oh dude we had one in nanaimo like the bungee zone and it's like across a river and it was like the bridge was just metal with like those holes in it. So it's like nice for grip, you know? Oh, okay. But it would like pointy up. It would like point up, but there was all these like holes in it. And it was sketch because you'd look down and like it didn't look like you're even on a bridge. Like you're looking straight down. Oh, my god! It's like that metal grating too, like the square long one. So like you'd look down and it was sketch. But this this one was okay. Like there wasn't a lot of stuff underneath. There was some there's some cool stuff about, you know, whales. You can see whales sometimes huh. if you look down into the bay, but you're like above the clouds and like you'd have to wait for a cloud to appear so you could look down into like the valley. So wow. that was like really cool. Like we're up there like, you know, having lunch and having a couple beers on the patio and like clouds are like rolling beside us, like up on the patio. So that was really cool um, and stuff. So yeah, I recommend that and uh, I don't know if you live in Squamish, send us a check because we're sending people to your city. When's the first exhibition game? It's 29th, right? Um, yeah, it's like a week f- from today. So we're going to next Friday. show next Friday or next Thursday. It might be, I'm checking my calendar, but next show, theoretically, we are going to have an actual national hockey league. Oh my gosh. It's on Wednesday. Okay. So yeah, we're going to have like some time to break down. The oh baby. This is going to be fun. That's sweet. Man, I am so excited. And I mean, Final. I hate to, I hate to plug our, our stuff at Canucks army, but oh, we are doing about some to, great yeah. work there. Like this training camp, we have done awesome work and I'm so happy with how our team's starting to look and just like, you know, we've got, we've got some real good writers there. And I mean, I could go on and on basically everybody who's there is a very talented writer and we've got some really good stuff coming. I'm still working on that Pud Colton deep dive. I've had people tweeting at me being like, when's it dropping? When's it dropping? And I'm like, I just want to, I just want to make it perfect. Cause the thing I'm focusing most on, I mean, it's kind of underwhelming, is how good this guy is at forechecking and backchecking, like at both. Like, it's ridiculous. He literally just plays at 120% at all times. Hey, and you got to look back on my Twitter feed. I got a bunch of clips you of do, that. You do have Pod Colson. Yeah. You'll have to send me some because, yeah, I want to find some stuff about his shot. Like, his playmaking is through the roof. He's like, he's basically what Canucks fans want Jake Vertanen to be. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. and... Like, man, when the comparables start coming in of Mark Stone, but he's a more skilled version of Mark Stone, oh my gosh. Like, that's like, Mark Stone's a 50, 60 point guy every year. And, man. You watch Pod Colson when he turns the corner on a blue line in the attacking blue line. That's like, that's a, something you like. Uh, we're going to see a lot more of it this year coming up. Like, he only did it a few times this past year in the KHL, but I think this year coming up. And when we see him at the World Juniors, if we, if I really hope we get World Juniors because like Pod Cole is going to be oh, unreal. Yeah. But this year coming up in the KHL, you're going to see it. We're going to see a lot of clips of when he puts that shoulder down and like the thing that Yolevi sucks at, like getting beat by guys. We're going to see Pod Coles and do that to a lot of guys coming up here soon because when he gets that that red in his eyes and he crosses the blue line, like he gets to the damn net, and that's what you didn't see with Jake for Tannen. Like it, it is the thing that we're going to love about Pod Coles and man, I can't wait to see that. And I, we're going to have a new weekly thing that i'm gonna be putting out i on. love the title well we was yeah. it you that came up with it or was it me i don't know it was sort of both of us it was my name and i picked the day because my name also starts with an f yes but i came up with the name faber's friday roundup 
Yes. I it love it. Friday around. I here. think that's a great name. Yeah. So we're going to start to do like a Friday wrap up thing for Canucks Army. That'll be fun. Um, yeah. Aside from that, I guess we can wrap it up. You got the Blue Jays game to go to. Hell yeah. I got a Hyun scrimmage Ryu. tonight. You got what? Scrimmage tonight. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I forgot you're going to that. Canucks we, scrimmage, we like the biggest it. one of the. Last I thought you had a weeks. softball game or something. Oh, no, Sunday, though. Me and oh, the shitty wow. Beatles going to get after it. What, uh, what, what position you play? Shortstop, man. I'm a left-handed shortstop. Left-handed shortstop. That's like the coach's kid in like peewee. Whatever. I never got a chance to play shortstop when I played baseball. So I yeah, because you're when left-handed. I yeah, I'm still a good-ass fielder. The one time I've been a left-handed shortstop in a slow-pitch tournament, I got defensive player of the tournament. I was rolling double plays in a slow-pitch tournament. As I got to start playing in these tournaments. I'd be a freaking all-star. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. They're probably going to stick me on first base just because I'm tall and stuff. So, well, that that's where you should play. No, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm a good fielder. I mean, you should you good be at, playing shortstop? But then you'd be good at like scooping, right? Oh yeah, picking. Yeah, yeah, that's well, my thing. You should probably play first. No, I should be playing. You're shortstop. like a huge target. That'd I got be a cannon great. for an arm, and I got the softest mitts in the league. Left field. I don't know. How good are you at chasing that. balls down? Not good. I'm slow. <laughs> I'm slow. I can't catch. Dude, I played like every position. I, except catcher, I stopped playing. You know what my favorite was like position 15. was in baseball? What? Designated hitter because you yes, didn't have to play me. defense. Yes, yes. That's awesome. Yeah, man. That was the best position to play. As soon as I learned what that position was, I was obsessed. I, it was like, this is amazing. That's like my worst nightmare. I was I was a oh. bad hitter. The only way I stayed in the lineup was because like I could make contact. So if there was a runner on and there was like one out, man, I would either just bunt or I would just hit a hit a ground ball right up the middle or right to second all right we've we've done this on our patreon on accident and we've gotten bad reviews about talking about baseball so uh, i know the blue jays are starting today so we had to talk a little bit about it but let's uh let's wrap it up man you're hosting you can take us out of here with some i don't know some words all right guys we're done talking about baseball so for chris faber my name is david quadrella you've been listening to the canucks conversation imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 percent replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15 percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.